If you are a company with a large pool of physical servers and compute resources sitting in the data center and you want to use them efficiently, one way to do that would be to virtualize them. Then you can use those smaller virtual compute resources to run whatever workloads you need. VMware is a company that's known for virtualization. It's also the creator of software-defined data center. In 2019, VMware acquired Heptio. This acquisition gave VMware the know-how to go full-scale on Kubernetes. Joe Bida and Craig McLucky, one of the original creators of Kubernetes working at Heptio, also joined VMware as part of this acquisition. What followed this was VMware Tanzo, a division within VMware tasked to work on modern application. VMware Tanzo is a modular, cloud-native application platform. It allows you to build, deliver, and operate cloud-native apps in a multi-cloud world. It also protects you from vendor lock-in. Betty Tunod is a VP of Product Marketing at VMware and joins us today. This episode is hosted by Jordi Mon Companies. Check out the show notes to follow him on Twitter. Hi, Betty. Welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hello. Hi, Jordi. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So VMware Tanzu was announced at VMworld in 2019 to provide a unifying brand for the product family related to modern applications and the infrastructure needed to support it, like Kubernetes. We're actually right now at KubeCon North America 2022, happening at Detroit uh, in Detroit, Michigan. So it's very timely. VMware Tanzu included tooling for application teams and Kubernetes operators like PaaS, uh, built services and data services. Uh, since then, uh, the product has expanded and evolved into a huge portfolio, which is the reason why we brought Bet in to explain all the uh, capabilities of 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 so of the of Tanzu. So let's start with something kind of fun. Uh, where does the name Tanzu come from? Uh, well, first, it comes from our brand team. <laughs> Um, but, you know, uh, as all of us who've worked in companies, like naming is hard. Yes. Um, and the the name Tanzu was there before I joined the organization. But um, it, this, um, you know, this allowed me to kind of go back and look at like what the origins were. And, you know, the Tanzu itself represents all things modern apps related inside of VMware. So everything modern apps. Um, so and then we wanted a name that was not specifically a technical term. Sometimes it's nice to have a have a name that doesn't have a very specific like product meaning because you know if one thing holds true in our industry is that like it's always changing and if we name it like cloud native x what if something else comes along like a year later then we need we want to work that in like it's hard to disassociate um, so we pick this word and the process of that also means you have a lot of research into like what does this word mean in every language because, you know, it oftentimes happens. You pick this great term and it might not be a great word in another very, um, you know, widely used language around the world. So it was kind of serendipitous that in um, for Tanzu itself, it's uh, we learned that it had um, meaning in Japanese that was like um, this modular storage cabinet container thing, which was really um, kind of a nice affinity to where the software industry was going with modularity and containers. It's containers. And then there's a Swahili um, definition about branch branches. 
Um, and in other ways, it could also mean like a subsidiary. So it was a great way. It was kind of a, gave us some good feels like it's a, it, we are a, a branch within VMware. Um, we're kind of this new area. And then, you know, with all of us um, working in software development, it's, you know, you know, your code branches. Yeah. So it was kind of a, it's, it's, it's kind of fun that way. So the same word in Japanese meant one thing and the same word in Swahili meant this other thing? Yeah. How funny. It just happened to work out. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah, to use actually a term from our industry, you were looking, I guess, for, 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 for a term that was immutable, right? Kind of mm -hmm. agno technology agnostic and at the same time immutable so that in time it's still fresh. and It holds. I, I like it. I quite like it, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, talking about... Modern apps, like you said, Kubernetes-based apps. Uh, VMware back in the day acquired Heptio, and with Heptio, with the acquisition of uh, of Heptio, Joe Beta and Craig McLucky joined the team. So that in itself, the acquisition uh, uh, is was is a bold bet on on Kubernetes, right? From from VMware. So what does actually that a branch, like you said, a business unit, Tanzu exists? What does that mean? for the Kubernetes ecosystem, that a company like VMware that in back in the day revolutionized virtualization is making such a bold uh, bet uh, on Kubernetes. Yeah, I think the um, the gravi gravitational force of what Kubernetes means to our broader like uh, tech industry can't be ignored, right? Um, it is um, fascinating. I mean, I've been in tech for uh, decades. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Um, I won't tell you how many decades, but it is multiple. Um, and it's, you know, and it's, um, I have never seen anything like this um, from, a, from uh, something, something that is so uh, unifying from an open source perspective as well as an industry perspective. Um, and the acquisition um, of the Heptio team, Joe and Craig being who they were, um, made a big, uh, you know, it, it really put a stake in the ground for who, you know, how big we were going on uh, Kubernetes as a whole, um, having that be something that we really invested in from a company perspective. Um, and now we have the Tanzu business as a whole, we have, you know, thousands of people in that org, and there's many of them that work in the ecosystem, in the broader, like, open source ecosystem, you know, being on SIGs, being, contributing, et cetera. We're also um, then um, doing the part of, like, as a vendor, how do we commercialize um, tooling around Kubernetes to make it easier uh, for customers to adopt, you know, and users to adopt? Not ev not everyone's going to be like a um, uh, like a web scale all engineering company. There's many companies out there that want this technology, but they're not going to have like you know uh, 50 you know like infrastructure Kubernetes engineers building platforms internally, and that's really where the, the vendor ecosystem can really help. Um, the important thing here is, um, you know, VMware is known for virtualization, but with, um, with the Tanzu business line, we're really anchoring on cloud native applications and we fundamentally do not care where those are running. So that's a little bit different than like the, the traditional vSphere business where it needed to run on vSphere. It was a VM on vSphere. I do not care ultimately where your container is going to run. It can run on EKS. AKS, GKE, it can run on OpenShift. Um, it can run on the, you know, the open source um, Kubernetes that you're hand rolling yourself because that's what you want to do. And it can also run on Kubernetes Grid if you want it. Our focus here is around enabling that, the creation and the deployment and the operation of those apps. 
So it's at the app layer. It's everything Kubernetes on up. And so that's really where Tanzu is focusing. Nice, yeah. I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but VMware, considering that, you know, that you, the company uh, led that revolution that we just mentioned, the, the previous to the container revolution, the cloud native revolution, which was the VM. And the reason that uh, the company has a privileged position in that sort of like old world, it's not going away, by the way. I, I think it's got use cases that VM solve for very, very, very neatly for. Uh, but you are in a privileged position to m help your clients modernize those applications into, mm -hmm. into cloud native, right? So, so yeah, two, twofold. I want to uh, go back to that, um, to the point you just mentioned. And that's yeah. a really good point is um, we're really seeing this as a way of like there is at, there will be increasingly more and more applications born in cloud. Um, and there are, as um, any company is starting to start from the cloud and they, your first step, probably not, not a big deal, right? You, you can get it up and running and out. But as you start to, if you're like a big, let's say a big um, insurance company, right? You have lots of lines of businesses. Once you start getting more and more teams on, um, you know, all those challenges that we talk about, like platform operations, your, your pipelines, you know, your DevSecOps um, practices and supply chains, how do you do that across like, you know, tens and hundreds of teams. That's really what we're looking at. And then for the um, people that are in the data center, um, the data center is not going away, right? That's that's um, hugely important for many companies, um, depending on the app, depending on the country they're operating in. Um, and what we're doing from tons of side is like, we're treating that as just like another, another um, place that you can um, be running applications. So we're integrating there to help those, um, help bring this capability to, to the on-premises environments, but then working with the cloud providers too. Yeah, just just last week. I mean, it's not a huge company. The the investor Martin Casado actually uh, talked about this a while back. I'm talking about oh the repatriation article exactly. he wrote. So yeah. moving from the cloud because the natural progression seems to be in everyone's mind from on-prem to the cloud, and mm -hmm. then you're staying there. But it seems there's a trend of people realizing that the cloud is not necessarily uh, a fit for everyone, and I think it was last week who the Basecamp team, the CEO and founder of Basecamp, I can't remember, DHH, mm -hmm. uh, announced that they were going back to a data center. Yep. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, I can I can see why uh, VMware would, would would you know would see things this way. I I, I think it's very natural. This is um, actually before we go to the next yeah, one, yeah, I want to. Yeah. That's it's a great thing that you brought that up. Is that um, I think we have this tendency in our industry and. Um, to say, like, here's the latest thing. And so now everything has to do that thing. Um, I saw this. I remember early days of VMware, once uh, virtualization started getting hot, everyone's like, we have to virtualize everything. And then, you know, it creates problems because maybe not everything's ready to be virtualized, et cetera. Um, I saw that same thing at Docker. Let's put everything in a container. And a lot of times we were like, why? You know, and I think we stop, we forget to not, um, not ask why. And not everything needs to be refactored into microservices. Not everything needs to go to the cloud. It's we, we as a you know uh, as application owners and um, um, teams really need to look at like what is this app doing, um, and what is the how much work is it going to take, and then what is the incremental value that I give to my customer? It might be an internal customer or it's people who are paying for this service at the end. Um, because if you're going to spend like a whole year doing something that is um, where it's a line of business that's not growing, but it's um, uh, in a steady state, you really need to op like really think about level of effort put in for how much you're getting out. I mean, I think that's really the math that um, every team needs to look at. 
Yeah, the, from the technologies and projects and vendor side, things are getting more diverse and, you know, all application uh, developers are getting more options. It's getting more complicated, but eventually it will settle down, the dust will settle down, and you will have as many options as you, so I think, you know, this is good in, in, in the long run for everyone. Yeah, right, so, right option for the right app. Exactly. Yeah. So what about Tanzu? Let's go back to Tanzu. Yes. Uh, from, let's do a drill down from top down. So what does it look like from a solutions perspective? And then we'll move on to the features specifically. Yes. So Tanzu, um, Tanzu, like I said, is our family brand name. Um, it's a, and actually it's an organization that has grown through um, organically, organic development, as well as acquisitions. But where we are today, um, and kind of growing with our customers and evolving um, the portfolio, we have two primary solutions, Tanzu Application Platform and Tanzu for Kubernetes Operations. So if you think about it as like two, technically think of them as two products. Mm -hmm. And Tanzu Application Platform is really about from delivering a developer productivity um, and um, secure applications, like securing the code and the workload and securing your um, pipeline. Uh, so it's really focusing on that to get to deployment. Tanzu for Kubernetes Operations is really focusing around helping the operator, um, you know, consistently deploy, configure environments for which these applications will need to run on, and then operating them. Um, for, so, like, you know, doing like observability. Um, how do I manage the connectivity? You know, the 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 networking from the edge to the mesh, um, and then like you know, just managing the the cluster environments. Um, they, they have a nice little Venn diagram where they um, intersect, right? Okay. Because ultimately where they intersect is like, you know, the, the, the deployment target. Um, but there's a lot of capabilities in there. Um, and those are really where we're anchoring on. The person that we are trying to help is the platform um, owner. So increasingly we're seeing somebody in the organization that's responsible for a platform. They're making decisions on the cloud native technologies as well as the cloud provider that they plan to use. And so they're like um, just above the compute, but then there's like, what are all the things that I'm gonna put on top of that to make sure that the, you know, the application life cycle, right, um, is a good one. So that, by the way, the person that you were describing right now is the person that you think would be the ideal user of uh, Tanshu, uh, apologies. Uh, TKO, right? Of TKO, and they're also the ones that are setting, standing up something like a tap. They're the ones that are like, you know, they might be looking at um, backstage, right? How do I set up a developer portal? The, you know, today's version of a service catalog that integrates developer services. Um, what, is, what is my CI pipeline going to look like? Do I standardize on one tool or do I let everybody build their own, you know, thing? Um, what kind of scanning tools will I use? All that stuff. They make that um, decision for like this new new application um, delivery uh, mechanism. Which is their end client, right? Mm -hmm. In a way, is it, are, are not developers their end, their end yes. client? Are they not serving a platform for those people? Yeah, so this is the, the platform team. The customer of the platform team is the internal teams, the internal application teams. They can be the app dev and app ops teams are um, their customers. Okay, so one of the critical capabilities of TKO uh, is actually mission control. Yes. Can you describe mission control? Yeah, so uh, mission control is really the, if you think about it as our control plane, Kubernetes control plane. Um, and re it's really designed for multi-cluster, multi-cloud, multi-Kubernetes. 
So um, we are really looking to solve the problem of doing this sort of platform thing at scale. Scale and you need multi-tenant, you have lots of teams, you're distributed. Um, so from mission control, what you can do is like defining uh, cluster configurations and policies. Um, you can create new clusters, create and manage existing clusters the full life cycle, as well as register existing clusters. So you get a central place to view everything. Um, you can do full life cycle of um, you know, TKG, which is our distro, as well as things like EKS. Um, and so this is really like, you know, uh, I have corporate standards on things, right? I have important things on like, I need to manage security and access. And when you think about provisioning environments for developers, are you gonna let them have an entire cluster? Do they just get a namespace? What? You define this here, and then you can um, use, um, uh, we have, uh, we've just integrated um, Flux for GitOps. So, and then how do you continuously make sure that it stays compliant to your, you know, your desired states? Yeah, exactly. What permissions are you giving developers? Mm -hmm. They can get really messy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And by the way, I'm interviewing uh, the Flux team later this week and here at KubeCon, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, Flux is integrated in mission control, which I guess is, yeah, the uh, single pane of glass for everything, like whether you own or you created uh, those clusters or you just plugged it in because they were pre-existing and so yep. forth. Fantastic. So another another critical capability is uh, the Kubernetes grid, mm -hmm. correct? Yep. So what does that do? So Kubernetes grid is our enterprise runtime, Kubernetes runtime. And now I, I said earlier that like we don't care where it runs. Um, however, customers do often say like, but I haven't, if I haven't picked one yet, can I get one? And so we offer one, um, but we're um, but it's uh, and it's our point of view on what's a great way to get started um, on a runtime. So we've got cluster API in there. We've um, added support for Carvel, which is a package manager. Um, things like oh, we've got a few other, like FluentBit, um, Harbor, like Harbor and Registry. Those are all kind of packaged in there. So uh, it's not just Kubernetes, like raw Kubernetes itself. It's like Kubernetes plus um, a few other things that we believe are important, and it's all um, with one kind of integrated installer. We, it's, uh, what time is it? Is it noon here in Detroit? Uh, this morning, yes. the keynote uh, and had someone from VMware announcing yeah. Carvel? Yeah, so uh, Rupa um, was on the keynote um, talking about uh, Carvel, and it's, uh, we, uh, we're very excited because um, it's a it's a project that we've we sponsored you know out of VMware and we uh, initially engineered and then we open sourced and it was first party open source, but just this last uh, couple weeks ago it was accepted into the CNCF um, sandbox um, with like end users like Army Software Factory and Twilio and um, other vendors like TerraSky and I I'm definitely forgetting a few but. Um, we're we're excited to have it um, be more of a fully community based thing and be part of the um, uh, part of CNCF. I'll add to the show notes the recording of of the announcement this morning, and every, all I'm sure that all the maintainers and contributors are are mentioned there. So the last two components of of uh, TKO uh, uh, are the service mesh and the observability component. I'm I'm sure there's way more, by the way, but I've just wanted to highlight these four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you would you describe what those two do? Yeah, so service mesh. Um, so this is Tanzu service mesh. Um, it is it's based on Istio, um, and the thing we've done is actually added some additional functionality in there um, because when you're talking about 
Kubernetes, like running in Kubernetes, and you have many many containers running in there, you like connectivity between the containers is critical, and um, especially like are those going to be secure connections? What's the routing? Um, what are po like the policies around those? Right, which container can talk to which container? Like we're all in this kind of zero trust mode, mm -hmm. so you need is something like a mesh to then build in that logic. Um, and, you know, service mesh is the way that, um, that we're doing that for distributed systems today. Um, the, I want to give one shout out on the, t on the service mesh side is um, we've, we've built a feature that's um, the feature itself is proprietary. That's our, and that's called global namespace. And that's a, uh, that's a feature of Tanzu service mesh that we're pretty excited about because it's a, it's a virtual like logical unit that you can build. Or it has everything that you need that defines your application, and that lives um, that and that global namespace can span across multiple clusters or multiple clouds. So, say I have I have six services that define my application, yeah. and maybe one of those services actually lives um, in Google Cloud because it's using a specific service in um, GCP, and some other stuff lives in um, AWS, and maybe something lives on prem. You can, but but what you can do is define your global namespace. In a way that, like all those services plus whatever else, is your app. That okay. is your logical app, and it can live like that. And then you can build your routing and networking policies with something that spans across multiple clouds. Oh, that's okay. like um, that's been something that's been really exciting for um, many of our enterprise customers, yeah. because you know they they do they operate in kind of they're using they're they're using different um, clouds for very specific services. So this becomes exciting for them. Okay. What about the observability component then? Ah, observability. And this is, um, uh, a, a, we acquired a company called Wayfront back in 2017. So that's uh, Tanzu Observability, which was just renamed to ARIA Operations for Applications. We renamed our entire management portfolio under one brand and actually um, also uh, announced some new products that kind of bring the entire portfolio together from a shared kind of backend data store, which is, um, and then we were using some GraphQL capabilities um, to, uh, to, to express out kind of cross-correlated insights. Um, but, you know, the, the operations for app observability, this is really full-stack observability, okay. um, which is really as you go to these distributed environments and being cloud-native, it's, um, it's, it's what you need as observability. It's more than just like APM, right? It's just, it's a different practice. Um, and so that's part of the TKO solution. Nice. Okay, so we've described the four, well, I thought were the four critical capabilities of TKO. Uh, let's move on to um, um, Tanzu Application Platform. Apologies. Um, so basically, as you mentioned at the beginning, this is, this is addressing the application delivery uh, problem, the, probably the highest you know, layer of the whole stack, if I'm not wrong. And... Uh, and yeah, uh, it seems like this is addressed to uh, developers and uh, maybe DevOps engineers, I'm not sure. How does this pan out? How do you yeah, again, um, what we're seeing is that it's actually, um, there's a platform owner and the platform owner, it can be platform engineering or whatever. Um, they, they typically um, are responsible for doing something related to a developer experience. Um, so uh, same platform owner is um, who uh, tons of application platform or otherwise known as TAP, is designed for. Um, but it is to, it's in service of the developer and the developer lifecycle. Um, and it's in service of enabling like DevOps, DevSecOps, so that the security teams can check off, et cetera. Um, so uh, application platform, it's actually, um, 
we, we've got a developer portal in there, or okay. sorry, tap portal, uh, which is built on backstage, which basically is like the visualization of all the things on like, you get your like your application catalog, like pre-built templates that the, you know, your teams can put, um, API catalog in their security dashboards. Um, uh, and then the ability to even see like, you know, um, uh, like live running apps. Um, so everything happens in there. Um, the, op the operator can also build like their various supply chains. And you can visualize the supply chain in there. So it looks like a Visio diagram, okay. you know, like you have little boxes and arrows. And then when you have apps, um, you know, developers are ready and they just like, you know, kick off. They're done. You know, they check in the code. It does the automated builds. It starts going through the scanning and signing. You can then see an aggregate view of like, where are all my, how are my um, containers? Like, where's my vulnerabilities? Where are they? Where is this running? Yeah. Um, and so it gives both, it's, it's kind of this portal for both dev and ops. So, we like to talk about it from like outcomes because you know application folks um, uh, think more in that sense. So mm -hmm. it's developer productivity, like reducing the time for onboarding because I have a centralized catalog that's easy. You build something, you can publish it there. I'm going to start building. I can go there and seek the thing and start working right away. We um, integrate into IDEs, so we bring a lot of this into the IDE environment. Oh, okay. um, and then we, you know, Visual Studio IntelliJ. And then the um, operator side of the like building a supply chain, you know, doing all the sign scan, et cetera, and then being able to see where things are so that they can, you know, fix all the fix things or you know stop something from being deployed because it's it's too red. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. can't go forward. Yeah. Okay. And then from the the last bit of the portfolio of the Tensor portfolio that I want to touch upon is it comes from the acquisition of Pivotal mm -hmm. Cloud Foundry. And this is Tanzu Application Services, right? So yes. how does that fit and complete uh, the Tanzu portfolio? Yeah, we've actually got two more things. So I'm going to, uh, one is the um, Tanzu Application Service, which is the form, the Cloud Foundry, Pivotal mm -hmm. Cloud Foundry. And there's also something called Azure Spring Apps Enterprise. So I'll mention those both. Um, okay. So uh, PCF, um, you know, that's uh, Cloud Foundry has been around for a while. Um, and there are, we have customers that have been hugely successful on it. Um, it's, it's, it's a full pass. So like when you think about the definition of platform as a service, it is a full pass. Um, and you know, the, the, it's funny because it's a lot of those same platform owners or line of business owners that really care that are also now looking at tap. I think really where it is, is, um, the customers who are running on tap, uh, are running on piece, uh, TAS application service. Um, they're very happy. Their apps are running well. they get a tremendous amount of operational scale. Mm -hmm. Out of them. Um, and then the one thing is, uh, some of them are looking at like, do I need to start moving these to Kubernetes? Some of them are saying, you know, the things on, on, on um, uh, Cloud Foundry, they're great. I'm going to leave them there because those apps are running great. And instead, what we'll do is um, we'll talk to you about, um, we are going to look at Kubernetes. And then like, what do you have for us there? So it's, uh, it's still there. It's running great. We have lots of customers expanding um, usage of it. Um, but I think it's, um, it was also built in a different time before we, Kubernetes is where it is today. And so uh, there's work we're doing um, to kind of, for those who are looking to have some interoperability to gain that uh, portability. Um, but it's, it's still there. It's doing well. And we're still investing. In, um, and we just had Cloud Foundry Day here, so there's a lot of talk about um, the new things that the community and both VMware are doing. What about the Azure? Uh, yeah. 
Azure Spring Apps Enterprise, that's, a, that's been a joint uh, engineering effort with Microsoft. It is a first party like Azure service. Okay. It's folks who want to bring uh, build Spring Apps and then have them running in Azure. So, you know, great thing about cloud is if you don't have an ops team, it's great you just log in and go. Yeah. It's actually using many of the, um, and our co-engineering is actually using many of the, um, uh, com- uh, the things that we have in TAP, the application platform, oh, okay. in there. So... And so that's really like you want to have that type of experience, um, you know, run Spring Apps on um, Kubernetes without having to deal with all the infrastructure. That's that's a great option. Okay. So now that you mentioned Cloud Foundry, what, and we are at KubeCon right now, what is Project Karifi and how does it relate to both VMware and, uh, and uh, Cloud Foundry? Yeah, so Karifi is a community, a Cloud Foundry community project of which, you know, we have a lot of VMware involved, engineering involvement in. And it is a project that brings um, Cloud Foundry and Kubernetes together. So it is preserving the developer experience that people have really enjoyed with Cloud Foundry, that whole like CF push yes. type of experience. Like um, I work on my code and I just do this one thing and I don't care how you run it. Um, and then there is, once you install Karifi onto a cluster, it brings some of the de- uh, deployment and infra operations uh, type things of CF to Kubernetes by, you know, by configuring a bunch of CRDs and such and using Kubernetes RBAC. So it's like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's this nice little bridge there. And um, we are also looking at, um, there's, a, there's an adapter um, that we're building, um, leveraging Karifi. That's uh, kind of bringing uh, the the application service and application platform together. Because um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a great developer experience uh, having a the right secure supply chain that you want. But you know, where it lands should not matter. And so it's also still kind of preserving that. I I was thinking now of um, about. Um... My head was thinking of. So I, I was actually considering asking you about S bombs and uh, securing the supply chain, which is something that uh, well, it's a major trend right now in the software world, but in the CNCF world too. Do you have any opinions on how uh, VMware, Tanzu specifically, is actually tackling that, providing uh, clients yeah. with it? Yeah, so we have SBOMs um, as part of Tanzu application platform. So it's in there. So in, um, and we are, um, we're aligned to the Cyclone DX and SPDX, which are very popular kind of um, uh, uh, SBOM uh, frameworks. So that's there. Uh, within TAP, so there's what we have is um, something called Cartographer, which is really, you think about a, it's an open source project. It's a first party open source project right now. And it's, it's, it's an event driven uh, supply chain orchestrator. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, you can build uh, small supply chains, big supply chains. It's, um, it's very, it's highly customizable. We, we do ship TAP with some things out of the box. Um, some built-in like here's a here's a secure here's a security supply chain with um, a gripe out of the box, but you can also build it with Sneak or Carbon Black, and then you can generate the SBOM. You can um, bring your existing Jenkins pipelines to it if you want it, or you can use the CI pipelines built in. So it's really about like the um, um, how do you orchestrate that. Um, it's uh, orchestration. Of so that. it's agnostic of the technology that is taking place mm-hmm. in the 
step, but actually listening to a certain event and then triggering the next step. Yeah, because it's not linear. So if you change yeah. something, we're saying that it shouldn't go through all the steps. It should go through the right set of them oh, nice. from that point. Okay, from my side, I don't think I've got more questions. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Spring when you mentioned, um, yeah, well, well, you mentioned the capability that you're building with, uh, with Azure, but uh, is there something coming from the Spring world that the audience needs to know about? Yeah, so we're really excited that um, we're bringing Spring One, um, which has been a you know the gathering of like the of the Spring developer community um, for a number of years, and it's after you know two years of being virtual, um, it's coming back in person uh, this December sixth uh, through the 9th in San Francisco. So, um, you know what I can do is I can give you a little discount code. Um, for your for your listeners that we can post on when this goes live. Okay, I will add it to the to the uh, show notes. Indeed. Yeah, we'll have um, we'll have obviously lots of stuff on Spring, but um, it'll be more broadly just more of like a modern developer conference. So we'll have lots of great stuff um, that uh, around Kubernetes and other types of like we'll have some WASM stuff, like lots of great uh, things that impact developers today. All right, because Spring, let's, I mean. I, isn't it related mostly to Java? Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Or not yes. necessarily, right? Yeah, so Spring um, Spring is really a very popular enterprise Java okay. framework. Um, but, you know, uh, developers are like, so many developers now, they have to, uh, you know, polyglot. polyglot or yeah. they're using Spring in these different contexts. So um, there's a lot. we're going to have some fun announcements there, as well as um, we'll be featuring a lot of just um, other technologies. And then um, actually day one, we're going to have a whole .NET day. Wow. Yeah, so really becoming kind of, um, it's more it's more broad than just Spring. It's really like if you're a developer in the enterprise, okay. here are here's a lot of things that, um, new things that you should kind of um, keep an eye out and learn learn about, as well as here's how you can use many of these things in practice. Yeah, so, and to finish with this, so Spring was in initially a, and it still is, a framework that is language agnostic. It's just that it became popular among Java developers, right? Mm -hmm. And people tend to, myself, tend to associate it with Java. But okay, so, so .NET is going to be have a presence and so forth. Okay, nice. Uh, what else is coming from the Tanzu world? Is uh, are you any news that uh, the future will my my bring to the Tanzu world? Yes. So we have at VMware we've got another um, conference coming up in the first week of November called VMware Explore. So we'll be in Barcelona. So as is as it is in our industry. We have a we have a we have a major conference, um, so we'll be having some announcements there, and then we'll also have some announcements at Spring One. So watch this space. Because the last VM VM Explore was not far away, right? Wasn't that in uh, August? end of August? Yeah, and so you know we had a whole bunch of announcements there, yes. and Tansu Team's going to have some new stuff in Barcelona as well. I'll link the recordings of that that I watched uh, recently uh, in the show notes too. Well, that's all from my side. Uh, thanks so much, Betty, for being with us. Thanks for having me. Bye.